This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship on Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Good morning. Thus said, oh, sorry. The first lesson comes from Jeremiah chapter 17. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of the drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. Holy wisdom, holy word. The second lesson comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we of all people must be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. Holy wisdom, holy word. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the sixth chapter. Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. 
Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, not everything always turns out exactly as we hope. We had a faithful, hearty group here yesterday to hand out coffee and hot chocolate to people driving by, inviting them to turn in and get free stuff. I think we gave away two cups of coffee. No, hot chocolate. Not for lack of trying. We had, I think, three stations out there along the road, um, and they had the moves. They were waving those signs. They were dancing. And I mean not just for 15 minutes. I mean, you know, two hours worth of this kind of stuff. But sometimes, I guess... You have to look not so much to the result as to the process. Somehow that has something to do with today's reading. Maybe I'll figure that out by the time I get to the end of the sermon. Um, I've always, I always get a little bit bemused when... I'll see a story on the news of some group in a community who, is, who has filed a lawsuit to try to get the Ten Commandments displayed in the town square at the courthouse or wherever. I kind of understand where they're coming from, and I appreciate the, the sincerity, but as I understand it, According to the Apostle Paul, no one has ever been able to keep the Ten Commandments. Do we really want a law code that we can't keep on permanent display, rubbing our noses in it every single day? And somehow I think by the same token, when I go into Christian bookstores, I'll oftentimes see the Beatitudes etched on, on little plaques or, or faux stones or faux stones or whatever. And we find them to be beautiful, hopeful words. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who suffer and are persecuted. And I think we find it beautiful because we identify ourselves as 
the hungry and the poor and the oppressed. You don't often see etched in beautiful script, woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are well fed. Woe to you. And yet, don't we resemble that side more than the other? Don't most of us have enough to eat and more? Don't most of us have enough money to get by? I don't think many of us are ridiculed and persecuted for our faith. It seems to me that somehow these words are rather hopefully appropriated and we overlook the challenge that they bring to us. A challenge that perhaps wasn't lost on those who heard those words the first time around. I wonder if maybe sometimes our place rather is alongside those of so many of the stories that Jesus tells where that first becomes last and the last becomes first. That we find ourselves in the company of the wealthy farmer who brings in enough and more and builds extra silos only to find in the end that it is worth nothing when, as Scripture says, his soul is required of him. Or we find ourselves in the company of that rich man who somehow overlooked Lazarus day after day only to find in the end that he was on the wrong side of that divide. Or we find ourselves in the company of that rich young man who comes to Jesus saying, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Only to be told exactly what he needs to do, but to find that he isn't quite ready for eternal life yet. And he goes away crestfallen. These words come to us to remind us that somehow there is an unrightness in this world. That we are not the ones who should be comfortable in this world. Because we are being called to something different. We are being called to a different way of being. Scientists make much, or maybe I should say biologists, make much of the fact that we are composed mostly of water. And not just water, but salt water. Salt water in almost precisely the salinity of our oceans. And they point to that and say it's an indication of where we come from. That we find our beginning, we find our roots in the ocean. 
and that that defines who we are. We can come out of the ocean onto dry land, but we have to carefully maintain our water level and our salinity level or we will die. We carry with us an island of, of where we came from, a piece of the homeland. And how many times in Scripture does Jesus talk about water when he's talking about the kingdom of God? When he's talking about that salvation, that restoration, that redemption, that healing, that whatever you want to call it, that he holds out to those who would follow him. He refers to hunger. He refers to thirst as a way of understanding what it is about. I could get up in front of you and I'm I'm, I'm pretty good at arguing. I could make an argument for why we really don't need water. I mean, come on, it's tasteless. It's worthless. I mean, you go to any restaurant, they give it to you free. I could argue long and eloquently right up to the moment that I get thirsty. And at some point, my words are going to falter. And I'm going to want a drink. (laughs) No matter how eloquently I argue, at some point, my DNA kicks in and reminds me that's what I'm about. And that is the only thing that can slake my thirst. I think when Jesus puts these beatitudes before his disciples, it is a challenge to remember who they are. If you are well fed, remember who you are and remember that your food is not yours alone but belongs to all those around you. Maybe it's time to experience a bit of hunger for the sake of those beside you. After all, the problem wasn't that in that story of the rich man and Lazarus that the man was rich. The problem was that he neglected to see Lazarus. He neglected to understand that his abundance should by rights also be his. If you, if you are wealthy, maybe it's time to experience a little bit of poverty. Isn't that what that rich man who came to Jesus seeking eternal life should have seen? All he could see was that he couldn't let go of his wealth. All he could see was the loss that he would incur, not the gain that would come to those around him. That injunction should have been a source of joy rather than loss. 
these Beatitudes come to us reminding us that we are not yet where we should be. As I've said time and again, the kingdom of God doesn't look like this. And so we have to move toward that. Christ calls us again and again, come you who are heavy laden. Come you who are thirsty. Come you who are hungry. Come you who feel it in your bones that something isn't right. That they, though you may be the wealthiest person in the room, though you may be full to, I won't say overflowing, that sounds gross, but though you may be have had the biggest breakfast in the world, there's something in you that still senses this isn't it. Isn't that why we're here? Isn't that why we have gathered week after week after week because we have heard the word of God and we have sensed in it that it is holding something out to us and it has aroused a hunger in us. It has aroused a thirst in us that makes us suddenly realize that what we have accounted as being full, as wealth, as abundance, maybe isn't the abundance and the fullness and the wealth that we think it is. Ah, here it comes. Maybe that's why out there on the street yesterday, yesterday Perfectly sane people were dancing around like idiots with signs because they sensed that the world needed just a little bit of generosity, a little bit of joy. Maybe those driving by needed to know that there were people, if just along the side of the road, who knew that they were alive and were willing to give them something to make their day just a little bit better. Maybe it wasn't so much in the coffee as it was in a shared smile as someone went by. Or maybe it was just in the fact that those who were handing it out for a moment remembered the importance of being hungry for the sake of those around them. Amen.